Welcome to the Rhodes Church Podcast. We are so excited to connect with you. We hope that this podcast builds your faith and that you will be encouraged and inspired by this week's message. I want to get right into the message. It's called Preparing a Dwelling Place. We've been talking about this for a little bit. And uh, so I want to jump into the subject matter today and, and give God liberty to do what he wants to do because he's the one that we came to see. Am I right about it? Well, here at the Rhodes Church, we get excited about our Bibles. I'm breaking open a new Bible this week. It's its maiden voyage in the pulpit, so I'm excited to see how it does. I'm going to test drive it today and see if it makes the cut, But uh, so be ready. Who knows when you break open a new Bible what's going to happen. We love our Bibles. We believe that it is the, the fire shut up in our bones, the Word of God. So we get excited when we open them up. So North City... Mount Carmel, Carlinville, come on, let's give it up when we open our Bibles to Exodus chapter 29. Woo! Yes. A little excited about the Bible. I'm going to pray while we're turning there. Father, I just thank you and praise you. We don't come to perform for you, Lord. We come to encounter you. So I just yield the floor to you, Holy Spirit. Bring life to the word, Lord. Teach us the word. I pray, Lord, that it will burn in our hearts as you open our eyes to the scriptures. That we will not just see words on a screen or on a page, but, Lord, it will burn in our hearts. Change us with your word and your presence, Lord. All the glory to you in Jesus' name. Everybody say amen. 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 All right, here we are, Exodus chapter 29. Sermon notes are on version this week. Note takers are world changers. So make sure you're taking notes and writing down what God is speaking to your heart. Uh, we don't have the paper notes available, but we are staying in connected with you digitally. We are in our 21 days of prayer and fasting here at the Rhodes Church. We are seven days in, so a third of the way. Yeah, we're excited. You're either excited that we're seven days in or you're excited that we're 14 days away from finishing. I'm not sure which it is. But either way... We are excited about what God is doing. We are seeking Jesus and seeking his face. You know, I talk a little bit about biblical fasting because some people have never heard about it at all. So when I talk about biblical fasting being connected to food, I don't want people to feel condemned like they didn't want to do food. I'm just saying uh, I can't get away from what the Bible says, that fasting has to do with food. You're free to do what you want. There's not something that we're going to say, well, that's wrong or that doesn't count. It's between you and Jesus. But we just talk about it from the biblical perspective in the Bible. It always refers to food. So the goal is not to focus on the no. I encouraged our leadership this week. I said, when you're talking to your directors or your team, if you hear conversations, don't be afraid to jump in and correct them when they start all talking about uh, what are you giving up? What are you giving up? What are you giving up? Because that's the wrong focus. The focus is not to zero in on what we're all giving up. It's not a competition for that. Go around the room and say, what are you pursuing? What are you pursuing? What are you pursuing? What are you, what are you hungry for more of? What are you wanting Jesus to do in your life? Let's have those conversations. The, my ability to do without coffee means nothing for the glory of God moving in my life. So I just praise Jesus for that. I praise Jesus that I can do without coffee as well. But the goal of prayer and fasting is not deprivation, but saturation. 
That nugget just dropped in my heart this week. That the goal of prayer and fasting is not deprivation, what I can do without. The goal is saturation. What can I give more of God in my life? More prayer, more Bible reading. Not to seek Jesus' approval and be a good student, but just to seek his face and to know him better. We've been talking about this prayer and fasting time for me has been about pursuing Jesus and emphasizing biblical Christianity over churchianity which is a concept I think that has embraced the church for at least the last 20 years. Over the last 22 years, I believe there's a, I don't want, I hesitate to put a number on it because it's probably been happening for hundreds of years in certain contexts, but I think there's been an emphasis in the last 22 years that church was about getting people to come. So we started massaging the message in a way Uh, that we say certain things so that we make sure and make people feel comfortable and want to come to our church because we're better than so-and-so church, so come to our church. And we'll tell you better than... And I don't believe that's what the gospel is supposed to be about. I don't believe that's what God wants. So we've been addressing... Uh, churchianity, we've been addressing religion, and we're not talking about those churches, that church down the road or anybody else, we're talking about us. We're talking about our family. We're, God's dealing with religion in my life, and uh, I'm just taking it, man. I'm just taking my lumps. And when I say dealing with religion, when God's showing me something, I want to encourage you with this. Whenever God shows you an area of your life that you're struggling with, be open to it because he's showing it to you for a reason, because he has something better for you. The reason I didn't see some of the religion that God is showing me now is because I was comparing myself to the wrong person. Because I was comparing myself to someone else, and I thought, I don't have anywhere near that kind of religion. I mean, that is some real major religious problems. But God said, the problem is, is you're comparing yourself among yourself, which is not wise. But I want you to look at the fire in my eyes, as Lisa talked about. When you gaze into my face, then now the comparison, when I look to him, now the gap between me and him seems to be bigger. Here's what I found. The more I pursue Jesus, the farther away from him I realize I am. Well, that's depressing. No, it's not. It's revealing the flesh in me and my desire to pursue our true measuring stick, which is him. He's speaking to me about fear of man. He's speaking to me about insecurities. And he's showing me areas. He said, Chet, you're very insecure. And the reason I never would have believed that it <laughs> didn't sound right to say that, but I'm just being transparent in front of you. I'll get into the message in a minute. I'm just airing my trash. <laughs> Fasting will do that to you. But the reason I wouldn't see it is because I would say, Lord, I am not near as insecure as them. If you want to see some insecure people, let me point you to this person. And he said, your problem is, Chad, you're measuring your insecurity among men that you aren't near as insecure as that person, but I don't want you to compare yourself with them. I want you to compare yourself where I want you to be. So now it doesn't mean anything other than we hunger for more of him and we measure ourselves against Jesus and we let him shine the light on our life. And this is what we're doing in prayer and fasting and, again, looking at churchianity and religion and addressing things. So in churchianity, here's another thing that I found. Jesus is simply the means to an end with meeting our desires being the end. 
Like in religion, a lot of times Jesus is just, or church, or prayer, or reading our Bible is the thing we do to get what we want. Like we'll pray a lot because we need something a lot. Instead of him being, in, in Christianity, Jesus is the end. Whether I get anything or not, it doesn't matter. Getting him is my goal, so I seek him. That's what Christianity is supposed to be about. Not this religious thing that we've created where we come and we pray to God to get him to do what we want him to do. So again, I'm saying that just to teach us, just to open our hearts and say, God, we want a dwelling place for your presence. We don't necessarily want you to do a certain thing when you show up. We just want you. And we know when he shows up, he's going to do something, but that's not the desire. We just want to love him and worship him and praise him because there's nothing else he wants other than a heart to love him. Yeah. All right, so let's get into the message. That was just the introduction. Exodus, 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 chapter 29, dwelling place, creating a dwelling place. I'm not going to get very far today. I'm really going to get through the first part of the first verse as you can tell, but I want to give you, I want to, in the first time I started to say I'm going to give you three things. I'm going to just give you two things today. We didn't get to the third one, and I'm not going to try and get to the third one today. To create or prepare a dwelling place requires three things. I'm going to give you two of them today. The first one is an offering, an offering. Look in verse 38 of Exodus chapter 29. You got your Bible? Let's read. It says, now this is what you shall offer on the altar. I want to emphasize something. Here's what God is saying. The scriptures authored by Moses in this context. Moses wrote Exodus, but inspired by the Holy Spirit, this was what he wrote. Now this is what you shall offer. You shall offer. The first step, first requirement, I believe, for the presence of God to come. There could be a multiple things. I'm just giving you these two things today. You shall offer on the altar. The word offer means to uh, make to do, it's a course of action, it's a verb. It's something you and I do. So here's the first context. For God to dwell in my life, the first thing he's asking from us is an offering, to give him something. The biblical Christianity consists of a culture of offering something to Jesus in worship, giving him something, giving him something that you have. Here's, I wrote this down. If we want to be a house of presence, we have to be a house of worship. We have to bring him something. We have to give him something. This is why we're continuing to emphasize in our worship services that we're worshiping him. It's unto him, and it's for him to come, for him to receive all the praise. It's not just to sing a song. Because churchianity and religion created a culture where people were satisfied to come and stand or sit, hold a book, sing a song, sit down, let's go next. That was never the desire of God to encounter in worship. He encountered worship to be something we give to him. We offer it to him. What can we give him? We, it's not just about giving him our things. We can give of him our money. We can give him our time. We can give him our talents. We can give whatever we have to him. But the number one thing we can offer him is our heart. Because if we give him our heart, everything else will come with it. If I give him my heart, I will give him my tithe. 
If I give him my heart, I will serve in the church and build his kingdom. He's got my heart. So I'm going to do whatever he asks me to do, however he tells me to do it. See, if I give him my heart, everything else comes. So this is what he's talking about. In worship, we got to bring something to give him willingly, not grudgingly. So when we're giving him worship, we're giving him our song. When we're singing, it's like this is how we know we're dealing with religion. When this thought comes to our mind, when are we going to get done with this song? Why are we singing that again? We've sang that over and over. When are we moving on? Religion. It's just religion. We're just used to next. Check the box. But when I understand who I'm singing unto, then I don't care if I sing this song all day. He's worthy. So we're just breaking through some of that. Again, just highlighting it so we'll be able to recognize it. 2 Corinthians, when we offer something to God, it should be from a genuine heart. Here's what the Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. I'm going to read it to you out of the Passion Translation, so it may sound a little different. It says, here's my point. A stingy sower will reap a meager harvest. But one who sows from a generous spirit will reap an abundant harvest. Are we going to be a stingy sower? Or a generous sower. Let giving, verse 7, flow from your what? From your heart. I got four people. Let giving flow from your from your heart, not, listen to this, not from a sense of religious duty. Why are you serving in the church? Because I'm supposed to. No, from your heart. Why am I singing this morning? From my heart, why did I show up? Why did I come? Because it's in my heart to give to God something, to offer him something. He's not taking it grudgingly out of my white-knuckle grip. Look at it, it goes on. Let it spring up freely from the joy of giving, all because God loves what? He loves hilarious generosity. Then look what happens. Yes, God is more than ready. He's more than ready. Look at your neighbor and say, he's ready. He's ready. What is he ready to do? He's ready to overwhelm you with every form of grace so that you will have more than enough of everything. Well, it sounds good. Every moment and in every way, he will make you overflow with abundance in every good thing you do. Yes, 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 give me some verse 8. We love us some verse 8. I want to overflow with abundance. Yes, Lord, but we don't like 6 and 7. I want God, I want you to pour abundance in my life. I'm talking about every form of grace more than enough. Jehovah Jireh, my God shall supply El Shaddai. He's more than enough. He will supply all my needs. We love us some eight. Say eight, eight, eight. (laughs) But God says if you want eight, see verses six and seven. Give. So generously offer God something. He's always more than ready, but he's just waiting on us to give. True worship is about what we come to offer him. Worship is not about us, our comfort, or our preference. It's about his worthiness. Worship is never about what we want. It's about what he's deserving of. This is why in worship, sometimes you've got to push past what you feel or better 
applied what you don't feel. Anybody ever just not felt it? Yeah, I, regularly. Regularly. I was telling someone the other day, if people knew what was going through my mind sometimes, maybe it would be an encouragement to them. Because there's times where I'm praying and all of a sudden my mind, whoop, it's over here. And thoughts are coming to my mind. I'm like, Lord. All right, I'm just going to give you a transparent moment. <laughs> this is so dumb. This is so dumb. I can't do it, Lord. I'm kneeling over here during worship. And I mean, it is fire this morning in worship. It was so good. I'm kneeling over here. And I reached to pick up a white piece of something on the black carpet because it was bugging me. So I reached to pick it up and, and toss it back behind me. And I'm sitting there and I'm holding my my hands like this, and you know this is what kind of family, I'm holding my hands like this, and my mind starts thinking about proper volleyball form on how to pass. I'm not joking. I start thinking about dropping my shoulders, and I'm like, what is going on? The fire of God is in the room, and I'm thinking about passing. What? So let it be an encouragement to you. I've got issues. I don't know. First thing, we have to provide an offering. <laughs> Second thing. Second thing. Now, this is what you shall offer on the altar. Mm. So I've got to give something. We've got to give God something in worship, and we've got to give it to him in a certain place. Ooh. You will give it on the altar. Why the altar, God? Because the second thing that's required to create a dwelling place for God is sacrifice. First comes worship, giving him something of yours. Secondly comes sacrifice. The altar is a place of death or sacrifice. Our offering of our lives to God will involve death of some kind. Romans chapter 12, verse 1. I mentioned this scripture last week, but I'm going to read it again. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present, you give, you offer your bodies a living sacrifice. A living sacrifice. Holy. What does holy mean? Holy means two things. Set apart from and set apart unto. We cannot forget biblical Christianity says, be ye holy as I am holy. We've sugar-coated and compromised and made it this little candy Christianity that says, well, kind of do what you want. No, we're supposed to live holy and acceptable to God. Not to culture, not to our friends. Is my life acceptable to God should be my daily request. My daily question, rather. Holy, set apart from. So it's like, if I want to, this is what prayer and fasting is. It's not about what I'm walking away from, it's what I'm walking to. So if I want to live a more holy life, I don't focus on things I stop doing. I focus on things I start doing that are acceptable to God. And if I focus on doing things that are acceptable to God, all of a sudden I won't find time to look at pornography. Why? Because my life is just focused on doing things that are acceptable to God. So this is what God's saying, be holy and acceptable to him which is your reasonable service. Let me give you another scripture. Matthew chapter 16. I'm going to turn there. You remember when we used to turn to scriptures way back in the day? Well, I'm going to bring that back. I'm going to bring it back. I, I, I threatened to do away with the screens this week, but I, I left them on 
one more week, give people a chance to bring their Bible next week. I didn't want to catch you off guard when you didn't know, but bring your Bibles. Bring your Bibles. We may make you turn before you can read them. I don't know what we're going to do. I, I love my ability to look up things and stuff like that. Don't get me wrong, but I, I love the Bible, the Word of God, because I don't have to worry about a Snapchat notification coming up while I'm trying to study the Word of God. I don't, I don't have to worry about my mind going off on a trail and wanting to watch videos of proper passing form and volleyball big, while I'm trying to read the Bible. Look at verse 24. Have you found it yet? Matthew 16, 24. Then Jesus said to his disciples, are you ready for this? We're talking about sacrifice, the second thing that's required to create a dwelling place for God. If anyone desires to come after me, this is the voice of Jesus, loving Jesus, full of grace and truth, Jesus. If you want to come after me, let him or her deny himself. Hmm. Let me try that again. If anyone desires to come after me, let them do what to themselves? Let them... Deny, <laughs> deny themselves. Do we even know how to do that? Deny themselves and take up his cross and follow me. His cross, that's not talking about Jesus' cross, that's talking about anyone who desires to come after me. Did you realize in biblical Christianity that we have a cross? Oh, let's follow the Bible. <laughs> Jesus said, let him take up his cross and follow me. See, when we're going to follow Jesus, we've got to first deny ourselves, take up our cross, and follow him. Let me read on. Read on. I'll make a point here in just a moment. For whoever desires to save his life will do what? Will, will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake, Jesus said, will find it. Oh, look at the principle. He said, listen, whoever desires to protect their life and protect their ability to do what they want, when they want, how they want to do it, who doesn't yield to God, just tries to save their life, they're actually going to lose it. But whoever is willing to lose their preferences, their dreams, their goals, their ambitions for the sake of Jesus, he said that person will actually find it. What is it? It is their life they're looking for. My life is found in losing it. What does that mean? That means I die to my dreams and I find out that really his dreams in me bring life to me. It says, goes on, for what profit is a man if he'll gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? True Christianity, let me drop some nuggets for you. True Christianity is not simply about morality and hoping we're good enough people to go to heaven. It's not just about praying a one-time prayer and going on with our lives and hoping we're good. That's not what it's about. This is the message that has been forgotten to be preached in the church that Christianity is first about our death. I'm going to drop some bombs for you in just a moment. In true biblical Christianity, Christianity is first about our death. When we, and I'm talking about his death is the one that we reason we become Christians. But I'm talking about when I come to Christ, the message of becoming a Christian, it is about first my death and then his life coming in me and living through me. It's not about I prayed a prayer so now I'm saved and going to heaven and now I get to go and do whatever I want. That is not biblical Christianity. That's not the gospel. It's supposed to be I come to Jesus and I die. 
I die to me, my flesh, my desires, and his life comes on the inside of me. Bible proof for that. We were dead in our trespasses and sins, but now we're made alive together with him. This is the story of the gospel. Too many people in the church have a crossless theology. Crossless theology. That religion has taught us, just come to church, hear a good message, and go on about your business. We'll see you next week. That's not biblical Christianity. Biblical Christianity is is that we die and he lives through us. Is that easy? No. It was never supposed to be easy. We created something that we thought people would like so that they would come. Now we want you to come and die. That's what Jesus wanted from the beginning. That's his gospel to you. Come and die. Isn't it come and dine? (laughs) That's a song. Sorry. Never mind. But remember, water baptism. Water baptism is supposed to be about the death of our lives. Let's uh, let's turn to the Bible. We love this Bible so much. Turn to another. Romans chapter 6. Water baptism. Whenever you get born again and you get water baptized, what's that supposed to be about? We're going to read what it's supposed to be about. Too many times churches are baptizing people into membership. Baptizing into the church and not baptizing them into death. You're like, man, this sounds morbid. It is to our flesh. Oh, Lord Jesus, come on. Verse 1. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. People say, hey, we're under grace now, Chad. So this is what church embraced. They created this theology about grace. Now listen, let's don't make anybody feel bad about sin. Let's make everybody feel welcome. We're all in this together. We are. We are. We're all people in need of a Savior. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Absolutely. But what point did we believe that we were not supposed to call sin, sin? Because of the grace of God. We're under the grace now. He says, no, we don't continue in sin just because the grace is going to abound. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? Oh, here's a solution for me and for you. If I'm struggling with sin, I need to die to it. How shall I continue to sin if I've died to it? And that's what he's telling us. Or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his what? Into his death. Therefore, we were... Come on, read along. Do I have it on the screen? I do. Yeah, there it is right there. It's even highlighted in green. So I want you to say this with me because I want to make sure we're understanding the gospel. Therefore, we were... Who were buried? We were buried. When we get water baptized, we are supposed to be buried. Chad, his flesh is supposed to die. Buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. How do I get to walk in newness of life? Not because I prayed a prayer, but because I died. The gospel 
We're wanting resurrection power without a cross. Jesus could not wear a heavenly royal crown until he wore a crown of thorns. He couldn't sit on a throne until he was nailed to a cross. Friends, he's saying this. Let me read some more. This is so good. Even so, we should also walk in newness of life. For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly, certainly, we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him. That the body of sin might be done away with. That we should no longer, no longer, no longer be slaves of sin. Thank you, Jesus, for the cross. We should no longer be slaves of sin. We have, I mean, church has embraced this so much that we want to, we, oh, Jesus, help me. We have, spit it out, Lord. When I say we, I'm, I'm including myself. Yeah. There's been such a desire to protect our ability to sin. To protect our right to sin. That we created a theology around protection of our freedom to be able to sin. And still come to church. Still do what we want. Still think everything's okay. Created something. Does grace still apply? Yes, yes, and more yes. But at some point, I'm supposed to die to sin. I'm supposed to die to offense. I'm supposed to die to unforgiveness. I was praying this morning, just laying there on the floor, minding my own business, and God starts bringing a person up to me. I'm like, what are we doing? It's like, there's offense there. I'm like, I'm not offended at them. You know how we do. Like we tell God what we're really, oh God, you're mistaken. <laughs> you must be thinking about something else because I, I have no problem there whatsoever. Let's go back to worship. He brought up, there's an offense there. I want you to die to it. I'm like, Lord, I didn't know you didn't know it was alive. That's why I'm telling you, right? So I begin to repent and say, Lord, forgive me. I died to that offense and I bless them. I love them and I pray nothing but your goodness over their life. He says, we're not going to have resurrection power until we're willing to die. We want the glory of God to flow in our life, but we don't want to die. We can't have our cake and eat it too. We have to offer him something on the altar. If we want the presence of God to be alive in our midst, in our hearts, in our lives, our homes, our church, we have to be willing to die. Christianity is about finding life through death. Here's what it says, John 1, 4, and I'll close with this. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. Here's a question that I posed in my mind. If in him, in Jesus was life, what is outside of him? Come on, think about it for a moment. In Jesus is life. 
then what is outside of Jesus? You got to get it. In Jesus is life. What is outside of Jesus? We're getting it. It's got to be revelation. It's got to register in your heart. It can't just be something spit out. You'll forget it before we even get five minutes down the road. In Jesus is life. In him. In him. He is the word. In Jesus is my life. What is outside of Jesus? If in Jesus, in his word, reading his word, giving him my heart, giving him my life, in him is where I find my life. What do I find when I put my Bible down and I don't focus on Jesus and I don't give Jesus my heart? What do I find? Only when we find his life will we find true fulfillment and have something to offer others. The whole world is looking for life right now. Listen, we are dealing with some major issues in this world. And I want to encourage you. Well, I'm getting ready to drop some truth, and sometimes it's not encouraging to people because they just like to hear. <laughs> I'm not sure what that was, but it's, that was my thing. Yeah. <laughs> interpret it. Holy Spirit, interpretation. Give interpretation. Those that are waiting on things to go back to normal, it's never going to happen. We are in the beginnings of the birth canal of the return of Jesus. I need, I need the women to bring revelation to this right now. When things are coming to birthing time, do they get more pleasant and eat? Well, you're already groaning. I haven't even said anything. <laughs> Does it get easier and lovely and more laid back? Do we relax more? Maybe if you, whatever. But I'm just saying, in a normal situation, when you get into the birthing stage, the intensity, the pressure builds. This is where the church is at. This is why we have to get back to biblical Christianity because that sugarcoating stuff is not going to create disciples that are going to be able to make it through this time in this day and hour. Not going to be able to make it. Not going to be able to make it. It's going to need people that are willing to die. Willing to lay down their life. So here's, here's what I want to do today. Here's what I felt like the Lord told me to do. We sang this song. And Mona, if you want to go ahead and grab the mic and get ready to come up. Do we have a mic for her? Yeah, thank you. I want to give you this word, these words, and then Mona's going to share something. I want to give you some of the words to the song that we sang, Live on the Altar. Here's my life as a sacrifice. Two things that we've got to do to get, create a dwelling place for God. Number one, we've got to create an offering. Number two, we've got to create a sacrifice on the altar. I'll be the incense, the sweetest fragrance, only yours, consecrated for only you, Lord, just for you, Lord, because I'm your temple, a dwelling place for you. And Lord, make my heart a pleasing home for you. I will live on the altar. You are worthy of what you ask for. 
If you're searching for a heart as your reward, then I am yours. In your house, I will daily live fixed on one thing to see your beauty because you alone are worth more than gold. I'll trade the world for a day in your courts because I'm your temple, a dwelling place for you. And Lord, make my heart a pleasing home for you. I want to be the oil. I want to be the sacrifice. I want to be a laid down lover. I want to be the oil. I want to be the sacrifice. I want to be a laid down lover for you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for listening to this week's message. If you enjoyed this podcast and would like to give, please visit us at theroads.church. To stay connected, follow us on Facebook and Instagram. You can also subscribe to our YouTube channel to watch our latest sermons.